Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to to have have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie, the legend. Hello, hello. And Jason, the favorite. Also the one who just read about how, is it, what's the technical color for pink? Magenta? It's not really a regular color. It bothers me. It has to do with, like, it's just find an article about magenta and read it. Mm-hmm. Before we get into gaming, <laughs> let's get a report on our Patreon backers. <laughs> we have uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, and if you want to go there and help us keep the show on the air, it uh, pays for our equipment and our uh, our hosting and and... The, the fees associated with being a podcast. That's right. There's and lots of fees. Lots of mm-hmm. fees. Lots of taxes. Yeah. Uh, it also it also gets carry Pepsi while we record. Yes. Ooh. So uh, and and if you become a patron a patron patron <laughs> that is the the technical term. If you become a patron, you uh, can get a shout out on our website and on our show. Which we're about to do shout outs for folks who are at that mm-hmm. level. And it also can uh, can get prints and books and free stuff. That's cool. That's right. Free. And any level of Patreon entitles you to a free high five if you see me in person. That is But only true. one. Only one. And the rest of them are a dollar a piece. And Trust only me, it's worth it. Only from Jason. Only from me. Yeah. I I'm do, the best one anyway. That's right. Yeah, he's he's the favorite. Mm-hmm. So who is our who is our Patreon backers? Oh. <laughs> Uh, the, the first we'll talk about is Joel Eastland. Oh. So Joel messaged me earlier this week. Oh, great. Right. Cool. And Joel is still alive. He's Good still to know. alive, yeah. But he messaged me and was like, are you free to talk? And I'm like, yeah. Probably. And, and then he never contacted me back. So maybe he's not alive anymore. Well, no, he just wanted to know if you were free to talk in general. And just in general. He was like, just checking. Just, just checking. checking in a, hey, you're so, not being held prisoner, right? You're free yeah, to you're talk. You're good? You're good? Okay. All right, so Joel, message me back. Right on. All right. When you're free to talk. Yeah. Ryan Martin. Yeah, what do we know about Ryan Martin He did week? not message me this He did not message he, me. He also didn't uh, talk at all about that steak in a... Biscuit. Thing. You've made me forget made. what it's called by saying it wrong this whole time. I'm just saying it was like a steak and a biscuit. He's weird. His He's weird, arc right? Has just uh, scheduled for this month. And Look December at you too. changing yeah. the subject. Yep, I'm just trying to keep it moving. That's totally adorable. Uh, what about Drew Stevens? He did not message me either. Uh, he should. Yeah, Drew, he should. message yeah. her. Yeah. Lost Colonies LARP? Never messages me. No, no. <laughs> Joe. Joe. Never. What was Joe posting about on Facebook that was funny? Something joyous. About he wants Google not to take him to Pinterest ever. Oh, well, you That's know. That's true. I, I feel the same way. There should be a way to set that up so that Google never gives you Pinterest in your results. Mm-hmm. I think you guys should just bite the bullet and join Pinterest so you can look at these things. It's not worth it. I will Isn't not it? be held hostage. Okay, then well, just keep bitching about not being able to see things. Here's an interesting thing, though. Someone responded to his Facebook post about the whole Google not sending you to Pinterest thing. Oh, did they with a link With a link to a Google support thing that maybe might tell you how to do that? We need to know. We need to know, Joe. 
Joe. Joe. Joe. Noah Coltrip? What about Noah? I don't know. He never emails me anymore. He didn't oh. message me either. I know. All I want to know, Noah, is what are you doing? What's up? Where are you? I mean, he's posting on Facebook. Who are you with? If you've got time to post on Facebook, yeah, you've you got time to hit me back. What yeah, are you absolutely. thinking about? Are you thinking of me? Oh. <laughs> Salim Alabi? Oh, yeah. No message. He's still working on his LARP. That's, That's good. awesome. Are you still helping him with it? Uh, when I have time, which is not much right now because <laughs> my work has exploded. Yeah. yeah. We also have Ryan Galeato, who's running Byways LARP. Ryan's LARP is out in the San Francisco area. It's like a sci-fi uh, between worlds kind of fun LARP that he's getting prepped to run. Yeah. He should run an East Coast version. Well, no, and he the needs East, to run the, a Tennessee version. If you're That's on the true. East Coast, you have to go to Joe Hines' Lost Colony. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in the middle of the country, you're supposed to go to Ryan Martin's Changeling LARP. Because Kentucky's in the middle of the country. Yeah, right? Yeah, more, obviously. Middle-ish. We okay, have, every, every other person on our list runs a LARP. That's our great. our yeah. podcast is is like spawning the country with LARPs. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's what we need to do. Everybody else, join or create a LARP mm-hmm. and, and send us links to it. Or, and we'll or talk you know about what? It. No, I'd be very okay if people created any games. That's right. Any games. We well, should have more mushes. Yeah. In the future, we're going to be like... Uh, we're not better gamers than you. We just have uh, more experience. And then Jason will be like, Byways LARP, Lost Colonies LARP, <laughs> Ryan Martin's Changeling LARP, and everything in between. And everything hey. in between. <laughs> and lastly, we've got Sarah. Rah, 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 rah. So what do we do if we want a shout out? Well, if you want a shout out, we'd love to give you one if your name's not Jason. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, but we'd get love to give you one. Shout-outs. You can get one by helping Shout us keep the ads. show on the air by going to <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast and become a patron. So when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting here at this table recording a podcast. And here we are today sitting at this table recording a podcast. Mm-hmm. What you been up to, Jason? Oh, sh- you tricked me. I thought you were going to say Carrie first. I know. I looked at her. I know. You did it again. <laughs> you did it again. Uh, let's see. I'm giving uh, Fifth Ed a like a... Thorough read through. You're reading D and D Fifth Ed. Yes, uh, I, I skimmed through it before enough to kind of get the, the high points. But yeah. now I really want to dig in and, and figure out what what's different this time around, and more than things people already talked about. But you know, just and I may run a campaign. I'm I'm not sure. I've, I haven't decided yet. Mm. I don't. I won't be running it soon because my outage is fixing start, which means I won't be doing anything but going to work. I think it's funny. That when it's time for you to work, they call it an outage. Yeah, because like, the plant is out. Right. So you only work when so, everyone else in. So everyone else is out. No, no, no. If it's it's at a plant, so everybody has to help put it back online. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal. It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you, Carrie? What you been up to? Lots and lots of art. Yeah. Yeah, um, I am possibly gonna have a solo show for a day, a solo day show. That yeah. sounds cool. In October, maybe. I'm trying to decide if I have enough artwork for that or not. Have you been cheating on any uh, Inktober stuff you yet? Need to <laughs> shut your mouth! <laughs> I'm not cheating. I'm doing the pencils. I'm not putting any ink on the paper yet. Okay, they need to have pencils that have ink in them. What? 
Yeah, they could embed that's, that's it in called, the graphite. Pencil timber. <laughs> they could do all the pencils for Inktober. I've, thought, I've thought about that. So, yeah, I've been working on, I'm doing um, tokens for Magic the Gathering. Okay. I'm going to do 31 tokens for. Cool. So, right? name three. Uh, goblins, worms, and food. There's food tokens? There is. There are, they're, they're brand about new. To be. Yeah. How, how does that even work? Uh, you don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know yet. I mean, the the set comes out Friday. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm excited about those, and I feel like there's been something else. Are you cheating on us with Josh Heath? I'm, yeah. Oh, you just, y'all just recruited recruited. <laughs> We're recruiting everyone. Uh, you just recorded Ukutina. Uh Yes, yes, we did. We we just uh, we reviewed the tribe book. And Which edition is that? It's. The second. Second edition, yeah. but not revised. Yeah, okay. not revised. So it's the white covers. Yeah, yeah. The one where the covers got all ripped up because of the yeah. the glyphs were cut out of them. Oh, and they then right, the, they all started falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the die-cut cover, but it's, they all yeah. they caught on everything in your bookshelf. It did. So they tore it up. did. It was terrible. But so, I, it, so I had to reread that book because I haven't read it for, you know— 10, 15 years since it came out, and it's super racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to hear how racist it is, listen yeah. to Werewolf the Podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's apparently that word is actually a sacred word. So for we probably a bunch shouldn't of, be saying it? Yeah, like, like, like it was like they shouldn't have even named the tribe that. Well, I mean, that is a classic White Wolf move. Yes. What's the most racist thing we can call something? White Wolf was so ahead of their time with how sensitive they were. Look at the Gypsies book. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Like, it's pretty rough through the whole thing. We we find some silver linings that are are fun, but... So, I know we're pig trailing a little bit today, but... It's fascinating to me. What's because, it, wait, 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 no, 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 no. It's no, the same no, thing. No, Don't no, you go no, back. It's the same it, thing. Pig it, trail? It's like a rabbit trail, but bigger. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Have you never lived where there were pig trails? No. No. Shh, what's wrong with you people? We you live people in civilization. With, with houses with basements and stuff. That's insane. <laughs> I bet you trail? had indoor plumbing your whole life. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Pig trail? It's like a rabbit trail, but it's way bigger and more no dangerous. One, no one says that. Yeah, not in Chicago, they don't. Nobody. I don't even know where they had rabbits in Chicago at. Carrie, have you ever done your hair up in rabbit tails? <laughs> I mean... That's a thing too. It's oh, little no. bitty buns. No, like, like a rabbit's. No, that's not what that. So anyway, <laughs> I was kind of hoping he'd just forget whatever it was. He was I know. To say. I'm never gonna forget. Oh my gosh! All right, let's go down this pig trail. Yes. Isn't it fascinating that we, most of the people who played all these White Wolf games back then, are I wouldn't call us all social justice warriors, but we definitely took a lot of social justice lessons. From books that were kind of awful. Certainly dated. Yeah, very, very dated. And well, like I was I was telling my co-host that Josh Heath? Yes. On the Werewolf the Apocalypse podcast. What? (laughs) Um, that part of the frustration is that these books, while on one hand being super racist, like Hmm. when you really look through them, you're like, I can't believe they just said that. Like, what are they doing? On the other hand, it's really one of the first times that a like Native American culture was even considered, right? It was repre- there was representation and even even if it was, if it was bad representation. There was still representation, mm-hmm. and it was more than just you know 
a, a sad smoke, you know, cigarette or cigar Indian, right? You know, something or other. Right. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of a. You got to look at it through the nineteen. I think it was ninety seven when it was printed. You got to look at it through that time era. It's still pretty awful, but right. yeah, you know. So anyway, yeah, I've, that's kind of what I've been up to is lots of art and podcasting that with you guys. Yeah. So there. What have you been up to, Ryan? Um, you know, I had Geekster. Hmm? How did it get Geek. this year? I, I couldn't go. It went well. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone kept asking, "Where's Jason? Where's they Jason?" They should have. I've been working really hard on the the Gamers Almanac, which is my new top secret project. It doesn't sound top secret anymore. I know. With the ten people that listen, yeah, it's super. It's hey, it's fifty four. I know. Uh, Thankfully, the each one <laughs> downloaded five times. Right, right. So, uh, but anyway, and so hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that soon. Uh, but that's exciting. I also got a new a new role playing game book that I thought was kind of fun. It was called Threadbare, uh, and it is Stitch Punk. Role playing. What is that? It's like you play like uh, broken toys. I'm in. Yeah, like it actually yes. says play a broken toy in a broken world, and the the covers like this crazy matted teddy bear riding <laughs> a a beat up dinosaur toy. Uh, it's it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. You know, a little independent RPG using the Powered by the Apocalypse thing. And what's neat about it though is like halfway through the book, there's a whole section about how to customize actual toys to make turn them into <laughs> things that are like your you characters know, like your characters and stuff yeah That's i don't know clever it's, i like that yeah it's super neat like there's pictures of like dolls with their heads off and stuff and how to and you know me yeah. i'm all about a doll with a head off That's Apparently, right. it was at some point in it was kickstarted in may of 2016 and did over $11,000, which was pretty good yeah. back in 2016 for mm-hmm. a Kickstarter RPG. Especially for kind of a specialty niche product. Yeah, and it's got a list of all of the people in the back of it. And I've been trying to look to see who it was that was in Chattanooga that, that must have sold this to the used bookstore. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy, though, because it's I not bad. probably will recognize a name in there, and that will be who it was. Oh, no. Oh, no. So. It, it looks like an adorable book. All the artwork is in color. Yes. Yeah. It's it's really it's a sharp. neat little book. So. Yeah. So there's that. That's my life. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go to combat rounds. Woo! Welcome to combat rounds. Woo! Combat rounds. These rounds are combat. Hi everyone. We're here at combat rounds. <laughs> Today our topic is 10 ways you can make your campaign setting better. All I right. like that one. Yes, that's the one we're going to go with. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've recorded this for 30 minutes. Trying <laughs> to get the title right. Yes. None of them worked. Yeah. That's Mo- the best no, one. they all worked. You guys are just being weird. <laughs> J- uh, you know, the problem was Jason and I didn't work. That's true. The so title let's deck, let's let's go into it. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna basically talk talk about ten things that uh, you might not have thought of, or that you should think of when you're creating the world or the setting that your players are going to play in. And this doesn't necessarily apply to uh, to only worlds that you are fully making up from scratch. Like this can also apply to like if you're making up a, a city, they're gonna visit, you know. In the Forgotten Realms, 
you know, these are things to think about that maybe you haven't thought about that can help help flesh your city out or flesh your world out a little bit in ways that you might not have considered. And not all 10 of these might be applicable to every game. Every game. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about a little bit this when uh, Carrie was describing Adventurers Not Wanted to mm-hmm. us. And I think the number one one is the one that Carrie should tell us about because it's a big part of her game. Oh, yeah. Whoosh, number one. Um, have some kind of important natural thing. Like for our, for Adventurers Not Wanted, it was an important plant. Okay. Um, you know, Adventures Not Wanted is in a fantasy setting, kind mm-hmm. of like a... It's a Dungeons D&D. and Dragons yeah, world. It's a Dungeons and Dragons world. And um, we decided we wanted something that was a little kind of important, but a little goofy. Right. So there's a dragon that lives near the town, and we decided that the dragon dung was magical, and it was fertilizing flowers. So the dragon lays... Magical dookie yes. that makes special plants. But yeah, it basically it imbues these plants with magic. And they're, uh, you've done the drawing for them. I, it was on yeah. your Twitch stream. Yes. And they're like little blue, they're, like they're, kind of bluebell looking plants. Yeah, they're little blue belly, and then I gave them fuzzy leaves, okay. which is not what a bluebell looks like. Right. I combined like three different flowers. To make it very unique looking. And like, there were, I was really nervous when I first did it because I was like, oh, this just is gonna look like a weird Snapdragon. You know, right. all right. Or people are gonna think I did this one wrong. Mm-hmm. But instead, everyone that's flipped through my watercolor book has stopped and went, oh, look at how soft those leaves look. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, you know, like, and no one goes, that doesn't look like a real flower. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and why is this plant important? I mean, aside from being tied to the dragon, which is important. Um, well, uh, there's it, it can give magical abilities. It, it's if, what they make the healing potions with. Yeah, they make right? their healing potions from so it. So it's an ingredient. It's an ingredient for a bunch of things. Um, I, I believe that they can grind it down to make uh, pigment. Right. And so, like, that pigment has magical properties. Um, it's exported. Okay. Out so like that's really important for the town that the um it you know, they, a, it's a commodity. Yeah, it's a co- a commodity that no other town has. So it makes our town really important and special in the universe. So you're able to spin a lot of story out of just one little feature. Absolutely. So if you're creating a, a town or a, a world, yeah, maybe take a minute to consider, is there a plant that is particularly unique or important? Right. I mean, even Rome there's uh, like banners and symbols and stuff of wheat because it was such a big deal that they had the capacity to feed the largest army in the world. Right. Well, and, and like speaking of that, we actually created a substitute for wheat and really? adventurers not wanted as well. Um, we, we decided that we wanted something that was a little a, a little bit of a mix between wheat and bamboo. Oh, cool. Um, so we call it a scale stalk. Oh, yeah. I would have called it boo wheat. Boo wheat. Boo wheat. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm here planting some of this boo wheat. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, and there's not really anything special or specific about it, except for we wanted to just add a little bit of fun to the okay. game. And so um, the scale wheat comes in different colors. Right. And so, like when they make bread from this flour, all of the bread can be different colors now. That's clever. Yeah, okay. and it's it's simple, but there's something really cool about role playing and having a sandwich that's blue. 
it ties into the idea that there's a dragon there, so things have scales. Yes. There's the magical blue flowers from the dragon, which is also another important natural, not commodity, but yeah. feature, is the dragon. And instead of it just being there, mm-hmm. it's an organic part of the world. Yes. So that's really the advice, is when you make something, make it part of the world. Yeah, tie it into other things. Right. Number two, try and have some sort of constructed or natural landmark. This could be as simple as just there is a, a 9,000 foot tall wizard tower, but but it's a thing that that marks a location. You know, we we have to remember that, especially in, in, in the olden days, uh, when Carrie and I were chitlins, uh, you know, but... But navigation was not done on a cell phone. <laughs> we did not. The, our adventuring party in Dungeons and Dragons do not ask Siri for directions to Waterdeep, <laughs> right? And so, so they found their way using landmarks mm-hmm. and sign other types of signposts and and things like that. And so, consider that when you're building your world to to have some sort of landmark and, landmarks. And it doesn't have to just be in a fantasy setting. Oh no. You know, like if you're in a modern day, you'll make sure that you just you have the tallest building figured out in the city. You know, make sure that, you know, the the graffiti on that building is something that they can identify, you know, things right. like that. Remember in the the first Star Wars film, you know, I mean it's only mentioned, but the jungle and wastes were a big deal. You know, it was an area on Tatooine. And and so those things come up. They you know, the Dune Sea was part of a Tatooine thing. Like these landmarks are are important. Sometimes they're natural, sometimes they're constructed, but the point is, you know, have them because stories come from landmarks as well. Like why yeah. are, why is it a landmark? You know, one of the things they did in a, a werewolf game I played years ago was they picked one building downtown and they gave it a creepy name. They called it the Fears Building. Ooh. But it was spelled weird, like it was somebody's name. Okay. And then, like, 90% of the bad guy plot was somehow tied into this building. Yeah. So while it felt, I mean, looking back, it sounds a little tropey. That's okay. But really, in the moment, I still have memories over 15 years ago of the Fears building. Yeah. And how scary it was and how it was a big deal whenever we had to go in there. Right. Because this was a special location. We knew this is when things were fixing to get real, if mm-hmm. we were there. And you can do the opposite. You can have a place that feels nice. You know, like... Uh, the uh, Happies Building. Well, we used to have the Toy Museum, because Chattanooga has the yeah. Toy Recovery Museum. And in y'all's werewolf game, that was one of the places we would go meet the city spirit. Yeah. Right. So we always knew that while we may not be safe isn't the right word here, yeah. but we were going to have a certain kind of experience. It was, yeah. like, it was iconic. Yes, it became iconic to that world. Number three, think about the interior of a typical home and the food that would exist there. Mm. Like that purple bread? Yeah, yeah, like that ties back to the the plant that we were talking about with What's What's in a house? When your adventuring party goes into a a commoner's place, Mm -hmm. what's in the house? What's it look like? What kind of things are important to the people who live in the world that you are storytelling in. Right. Well, you can tell right away if the neighborhood you're in is rich or poor. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell if it's a, a proud neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, and those, you know, this is a proud people. We can't just, you know, walk in here and do this thing or, you know. there There's a lot of um, tone 
that can be set. I think it's a good way also to kind of communicate some basic facts about your world. For example, if you're in a fantasy campaign, how magical is it? Well, mm-hmm. if you go into a person's house and there's magical stuff there and it's just a regular poor or middle class person, right. then you know magic's everywhere. Right. But if you even go to a rich person's house and there's nothing there that's magical, you know that it's rare and hard to find and special. Right. You know, or, uh, or is there is there running water? Is there yeah? That's important. You you know, is there electricity? And to go back to Star Wars, is there blue milk? Is, is there, there blue, blue milk? milk? But we all know blue milk. Again, yep. it's like such a it's a little tiny detail, but it's become almost iconic to, to I mean it's so iconic that when Disney built Galaxy's Edge inside the Disney parks they have blue know, milk. They serve blue milk. The Elder Scrolls games do a really good job of giving you the feel of whatever location it's set in based on what's inside the houses that the people live in. Right. Yeah. So that's important. Okay, yeah. and like also along with the food, like if you're in a setting that isn't an urban setting, mm-hmm. you can do stuff uh, with like if you go hunting. Like, you know, are there beasts that are not normal to what we're used to? That'll tell you a lot what's going on in the universe. Right. Or even if you're in an urban setting, if there's a bag of, let's say, chicken hunt <laughs> sitting on the table, you know, well, that tells you that there's a... A um like fast food a fast food restaurant that's normal for named, people to go there yeah chicken hut and maybe that's plot maybe it's not that's right four a mythological creature or artifact and a story I thought you were gonna break out into song for a second a mythological creature <laughs> I thought we were on the golf course and there was I was oh, about dear. to get hit four uh, four all right so why myth- is that important have something like that I think a mythological creature or an artifact. And a tale, a story about it, I think is really important because it tells us a little bit about, uh, you know, the stories, fake stories, the legends of a people Mm -hmm. tell you a lot about what those people fear or what what they believe. When you look at a lot of cultures throughout history, their pantheon of gods are often clearly tied to their attempts to understand the world around them. Right. You know, they are, they explain science. uh, Apollo is dragging the sun across the the sky in his chariot. Mm -hmm. You know, they are all tied to the, the elements of the world that, that are maybe perhaps beyond the grasp of the peoples at that time. time. Mm -hmm. They also play a lot into the, what people, like you said, are, are they're afraid of, right? Um, if you have creatures that do things that aren't, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting it, adventurers aren't afraid of combat, but they might be afraid of being uh, something important being taken away from them. Right. So there will be stories maybe about goblins who steal your gold in the middle of the night or things that eat the magic out of your armor or right. something. And that's the thing is the mythological creature, we actually mean it's mythological in your world. It's not real. Yeah. So in the it's, setting. It's the boogeyman. Of it's Waterdeep's boogeyman, right? Right. What are the people uh, making up these stories, or, or that they have eventually become true in mm-hmm. their in their eyes? Uh, and I mean, maybe in your game, it is true, or maybe it's a you know half truth, a half truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, a trick that I've done is tell people that there's like a, a monster, and I'll just give it a name, and that's it. <laughs> And so they'll m- just make stories themselves. Yep. They'll be like, oh, man, I bet that's that damn Jabberwocky. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, what? Oh, yeah. I got to write this down. It's <laughs> good stuff. 
Well, because then they're making their own myths, mm-hmm. and right. they, the amount of truth in them is up to you. Whatever it, makes the, the best story. The more your game has these layers of of tales, and you know this happened in the past, and this and that, the more rich your game becomes. Right. A mythological creature or an artifact is not there for you to explain something. Like you are not creating this mysterious artifact because it needs to explain something. You're creating these things because it it makes questions. And questions make your world feel more full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if people are asking questions, it's it's because they're interested. It's because they know that there is more there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Number 5. Have an influential woman in your world. Eh. Just one, then? Just one. That's okay. Oh, my gosh. Like no! On our, on our podcast, for example, Just it's one. Carrie. Yeah. On, on Josh Heath's podcast, it's also, it's also Carrie. Carrie. That's oh, right. my gosh. Mm. Everyone be quiet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, no, but why is that important? Because there usually aren't any. That's fair. You know, uh, especially if you're a guy writing a campaign, it's really easy to just make everybody dudes and not even realize you're doing it. Or the I've only done it time, myself. Or the only time there's a woman is, you know, when she's throwing a sword from the lake. No! A victim. Or yeah. a useful person, but not a leader. Yeah, no. You you need to have General Leia, not, not Princess Leia. I don't know. Princess Leia. Okay, yeah. She was pretty bitty ass. <laughs> you know what's great is now you've got a whole story. You've got Princess Leia and General Leia, and that's what you should be thinking like when Mm -hmm. you're writing your characters. I think it's important to have an influential woman in your world because it rounds your world out in a way that makes it feel fleshed out and real. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we're not just talking about, you know, the the woman who who fed, you know, who cooked the warm meal for the hero of your story. Like we're talking about like a Joan of Arc. You know, or uh, somebody who leads a movement. Right. Important, not just in like personal, but important to the setting itself. Right. I was also going to say, you can have more than one. Absolutely, you should. And if you are trying to make your game inclusive and you want female players to feel comfortable, seeing that every time a knight walks into a bar, that Mm -hmm. it's maybe sometimes a woman. Normalizing having women in leadership yes. positions in your game means that women are going to be more comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and eventually that normalizes it in real life, too. Yeah, it certainly helps. You know, I mean, you know, more so than it Not already is it. in real life. Yeah. yeah. Number six. Have, have an NPC tour guide for your world. <laughs> okay, so I want to brag on y'all. I know I do this a lot about the old werewolf game we played in. My favorite part about the whole game was that y'all had about really fleshed out about six NPCs, give or take, that were also on the sept with us. And they weren't, like, overwhelming. They weren't Mm -hmm. pushed on us. But there were people that you could go talk to and interact with in different situations, and they felt real. And they made the setting feel more real. Because there was a few things that you did, like while each one of them had a viewpoint, that viewpoint tended to be very traditional for the setting, so they sort of influenced the genre that we all played. And also, if I asked them something, they, I didn't have to worry about them lying to me, which meant that and I, NPCs shouldn't lie to, their, uh, to the players as a general rule, 
because that's the thing that we see the world through is their eyes, right? And so since I could rely on that, if I needed to know what the setting was actually like, I could be like, oh, hey, um, what what is the city like here? And you would just tell me. Yeah. And think about how that could work in your D&D game. It could be an, uh, an innkeeper or a... Uh, an actual guide. An actual guide. It can yep. be the mayor of a city. Mm-hmm. It can be any person who is important and influential within their characters' lives who tells them about the world. And they will fall in love with that person. Well, I was going to say, in the real important thing here is to make sure that this NPC is likable. And I don't mean like, hey, everybody, we're best friends. No. But that they, are, they feel real and that the PCs feel attached to them. Because as soon as the PCs feel attached, then they are real. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it makes the world more real. Yes, it does. They've got a hook in it now. Mm-hmm. In the same way that when you, in real life, go visit another city, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's it's easy to... So let's say we all get on a plane and we fly out to Los Angeles, right? We can go and buy a book like Los Angeles for people not from Los Angeles, right? right? Or whatever, and try and do the touristy thing that way. But it's the difference between that and... Having a buddy or someone oh, that's out nothing there. like having a local, and you can show up and be like, "Hey, what should we go see? These are the things we right. like. Take yeah. us to the good restaurant that the locals go to." Yeah. Right. And if you're wondering what something like that looks like in fiction, think about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, you know, when Indiana Jones is traveling throughout like America, like we all kind of as American viewers understand what that's like, and so Indiana Jones travels through those things, and it's not a big deal. But when he arrives in the Middle East, he hooks up with Sala, mm-hmm. his buddy, and Sala shows him the ropes and tells him what's what and explains how things work and he he says, takes him to the good place to get the good dates. <laughs> I mean, the... the Bad dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what it looks like in, you know, functionally in a nonfiction story, and your players need to have that, because... In, in almost doubly so, because not only are they uh, experiencing a world that is foreign to their characters when their characters arrive in a town they've never been in, but they are also experiencing a world that is foreign to themselves as players because, you know, Waterdeep's not real or wherever they're at, you know, these aren't real places. And so having some sort of NPC tour guide who is able to sort of give them the what-what mm-hmm. uh, is, is incredibly useful and can really, really pep up your... Pep up your game. Yeah. I, I want to give a point of warning on this one. Don't betray that trust without really, really good reason. Yeah. I think that, you know, and this isn't just about the lying thing. It's about, like, if you make them love someone and, you know, sometimes you kill that person. Yeah. Carrie loves I do, do that. that. I do that a lot. I'm sorry. Make sure that it's worth it. Yes. Because it's great if it is. Yes. It's a great motivator, but don't waste it. Mm-hmm. And also, if that person is going to betray them... Most of the time, instead of making them their characters angry, you're going to make the players angry. Or you're going to make them never trust your NPCs again. Yeah. Yeah. So don't waste it. It's Neither one of these is a never, but they're both – don't, don't just do it casually. This right. should be a big deal if you kill them or they betray them. Yes. So what's next? The next one is Tales to Make Naughty Children Behave. Okay, I want to say that this is so clever because it uh, it never even occurred to me, and everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has some little story about oh can't go down the there. The boogeyman, yeah, yeah the boogeyman. Okay, my grandmother, 
she always told us there were snakes wherever she didn't want us to go. And I was an adult when I figured out that she was doing that because I started doing it to my niece. She was like, don't go near the hedge. There's snakes there. And what she was really saying is, don't go near the hedge. It's close to the road. And I'm not comfortable with you being that close to the road. Right. But instead of just saying that, she yeah. decided to install a pathological fear of snakes in all of us <laughs> and then use that fear as a tool. And when I called her on it, she's like, well, I didn't want to go close to the road. I'm like, the road's scary enough. Yeah, no, I know. You don't have to make us all afraid of snakes too, Grandma. But in your game, though. It's good. In your game, it works because uh, what they're actually telling you is don't go, don't go near that cave because it's haunted. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, they don't want you going near that cave because bad guys hide out there, yeah. right? Or because it's in danger of collapsing, yeah. or or any number of story hooks mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. use. But but those those stories that we tell our children with like that lick of truth in it can really actually take your world a step further and make it feel very believable and lived in. Yes, you know what the beauty of those stories are is that sometimes. The kids never get told that it wasn't true. And, <laughs> and so it becomes a local legend. Well, and sometimes it is true. Bum, bum, bum. Well, no, like in Adventures Not Wanted, we have a bog witch. Ooh. She's a witch who lives in the bog. You right. go there and, she, you know, she'll grant you your wish right. for a price. So the kids better not go there. So right. now they all have to go at least yeah, well, once. Now, now it's a rite of passage for the kids to see how close they can get. Yeah. You know, did you see her? I saw her shadow. Ooh. Ooh yeah, or whatever, you know. And, and so, yeah, like, you can take that kind of thing to whatever level your game needs it to be. But just having it there, having a boogeyman, having a scary Bigfoot or a legend of something or, you know, the ghost on, you know, the woman in white or whatever it is, that will immediately give your game flavor. It creates more layers. Mm-hmm. And more layers, more story. Mm-hmm. More depth. Tricks Onions. you into believing it's real. Onions. Mm. <laughs> layers. Layers. Eight. A physical ailment unique to your world. So you wrote that one, and I want you to talk about it. Ryan. 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 They can hear me point. Yeah. I think that the sicknesses and the pro- the physical problems that people in your world have can also tell you a lot about how they live and what the world is like and what the troubles and strifes are that they that they deal with. Mm. And I also think directly connected to that is how they treat those things tells you a lot about the world as well. And it can tell you a lot about their, their level of understanding of science and medicine and those sorts of things. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, how they treat the people who have diseases too. That could tell you a lot. I mean, there's been time periods in history when being sick was very bad. <laughs> yeah. Not just because you're probably going to die, but because people are going to treat you like crap the whole time. Right. Well, and there was that whole period in, in our real world during the, the late 1800s where, where quack medicine was a big deal. And basically it was if, if you got sick, they would find some way to create an electrical tube and they would stick it in your bum. Yeah. And whatever works. And it was going to heal you. Yeah. It was weird. Mm. It was a very strange What thing. about the fact that people with gout, it was actually like a little prestigious because it meant that you... You were, were eating well? You were eating well enough to get gout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds dumb, but I mean... What is the one... What is the sickness that uh, 
uh, sailors always got scurvy. scurvy, scurvy, right? But that's scurvy being a problem in your world tells you that that there is a a problem with the diet that they have, right? You know, or you have lots of pirates, right? Yeah. So interesting fact about scurvy: the English, <laughs> please, yeah. you've you've interested me. No, the English didn't differentiate between lemons and limes. Lemons have a very high vitamin C content. Limes do not. It's, they've got some. So if you brought the right amount of lemons to keep everybody from getting scurvy, you were fine. But if you brought that number of limes, it didn't work. <laughs> so there was scurvy outbreaks after they figured out how to get rid of scurvy outbreaks just because they didn't really... They didn't realize lemons and limes were different significantly colors. Significantly different <laughs> in their vitamin C content because they didn't know it was the vitamin C. They just thought it was this sour fruit. Right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Adventurers Not Wanted, you had had a few ailments as well. Yeah. Um, one of them was connected, actually, to the dragon dung. Okay. Yeah. Like um, they got poopy fingers? Yeah, basically, Oh, I yeah. remember that. Didn't it have some weird blue-based side effects? Yeah, uh, it, was, um, it, was, it was connected to cleanliness. Like, right. if you were gathering the flowers and you weren't, you know, careful enough... Um, but that, but that tells you again. It ties into sort of what this world is the yeah. the economy and the products and the items and things and, and the dangers and the dangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think sickness is a, a good uh, measurement of a society. You know, I've also played in a mush that did you know, and it doesn't always have to be like deathly illnesses or even like serious illnesses. I played in a mush once where uh, it was a super. It's a superhero game that ever all the kids at the school got glitter flu. <laughs> so when they'd sneeze, they would sneeze glitter. That sounds awful. It, it was, but it was it was really ridiculous. I mean, in a fun way. Yeah. It, it would, but it was fun, you know. Yeah. So like, not every disease has to be like terrible and gross, and like they feel like they're dying. You so know. So you're saying you could set a lot of the tone for your game mm-hmm. based on what the diseases do like you yeah. want a fun game you have clitter flu yeah if you want to have a game where people are just like pulled down and dying all the time they have the, the wiggle shits or something <laughs> no no one no. should ever have that i'm pretty sure the wiggle shits involves <laughs> glitter oh it might it might oh no uh, plagues are important they shape your world absolutely <laughs> they do in a creepy way, yeah. So I'm going to – I love number nine because I played in a Boffer LARP years ago, Shattered Isles, and, and the creators of the game didn't introduce – okay. To, to What's number nine, Jason? A popular card, <laughs> dice, or board game. Okay. And so why that's important is that when I played in Shattered Isles, one of the uh, cultures decided that Go – was incredibly important mm-hmm. to their culture. It was Romanesque, which is funny because what is Go? Oh, it's a it's a Chinese board game that's kind of like checkers, but instead of moving your pieces, you just place them. Okay, and uh, you have to create loops around your opponent's pieces. Okay, it's maybe one of the com- most complex games in the world, <laughs> just because. You've only got one move. More complex than Mousetrap? No, hold yes. on. Go, go is what Uncle Iroh plays, right? I don't I know. think so, but I didn't watch Avatar. Oh, Jason. Get what? off my podcast. Sorry. What? I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember what this is like. Oh, my goodness. It just didn't do it for me. I'm I sorry. I don't even think I know you. <laughs> I have weird taste. You know that. So, anyway... 
they decided we're as a group. To get, we're about to get so much hate mail. <laughs> oh my god! I, yeah. I've been meaning to go watch it eventually, but I mean, it's no Cowboy Bebop, so I'm not that hooked on it. Thank goodness it's not Cowboy. Cowboy Bebop, Bebop is amazing. It's the best animation ever made. I. Mm. <laughs> You don't like Cowboy Bebop? I mean, it's okay. It's amazing. What is wrong with you? You're the one who gave me a go-to-hell look because I didn't care for Avatar. I think, actually, everyone listening also gave you the go-to-hell look. Yeah, Avatar is just okay. Oh, my gosh. I can't even publish this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about Go, Jason. So, these players introduced it as important to their culture. And it became really widespread on the game uh, game sites for everybody to play Go, some, because these people introduced it. And it tied their culture together better because we all knew one fact about it for sure is that everybody played this game. And so we all played it. It was just uh, – it made it feel more real and gave you things to do that had nothing to do with the plot of the game. Right. It mm-hmm. was all about being invested in the setting. Which will stick with you longer than the plot will. Because I can't remember hardly any plots I've ever played in, but I remember a lot of setting stuff. And not all the games have to be actual real games. Like Sabacc in Star Wars or the Vulcan chess yeah. in Star Trek. The, the five-level. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. 3D chess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or even, like I was going to say, uh, in the, the book series Wheel of Times, uh, they always talk about playing snakes and foxes. I have no idea how it was played, and I've not even I've not read those books in years and years. And I actually stopped reading them because I didn't like them anymore. But you still remember. But that? I still remember that they played snakes and foxes. Okay, Robert Aspern wrote a series, the Myth series. I don't know if you've read those or not. But no. anyway, they're kind of comedy fantasy, mm-hmm. and in it they had dragon poker. And dragon poker is played exactly like regular poker, except there's all these conditional modifiers that make the hands better, mm-hmm. and it's things like what direction you're facing and if there's any mirrors in the room or like it's all kinds of weird random thousands of pages of stuff that you have to memorize to be able to play it effectively and most people have to learn it as they go losing lots of money right and because it exists in like every single book they're playing dragon poker and have all these crazy rules it becomes such an important setting element that no plot ever really touches much. <laughs> right. Because really it's just a thing that the characters do. We're playing dragon poker and we're talking about the plot. Right. But we're also talking about dragon poker. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very organic. Instead of everybody just sitting around talking about whatever the story is, they're, t- they're talking about the game and the story is just happening. I think you can also, you know, I mean, it, it starts to get very meta. You're you're playing your characters, playing a game inside of a world that you're playing in. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, so you have to be a little careful with it. But, for example, uh, you don't have to actually know how any of these games are played. No. Because most systems have some sort of challenge mechanic for, like, gambling. Yeah. Like, you, you just know, roll your gambling dice and see if you do Roll it. your gambling skill and we'll see how, how you do, right? Now, if you're playing, let's say, Firefly... And you really want to play a, a hand of poker, <laughs> and your it. players know how to play poker. That's mm-hmm. important as well. You know, if you guys really want to do that, that could be really fun. So I, I was actually thinking of Firefly before you mentioned that. I mean, like 
Do you guys remember their cards were round? Oh, yeah. I forgot about and, that. And how cool just visually it was. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't need to know what cards they had or right. what they were, what game they were actually playing. Because I don't know that they actually I played poker. I think they poker. were actually just regular cards. They were playing poker. I don't remember. The, like, they were cards round. were round. But they were round. And I always remember how, like, it made everything feel slightly alien. And Which is slightly what it was different. supposed to do. Exactly. And so, you know, you don't have to have the full layout of the game figured out. Right. Of the game within the game figured yes. out. I mean, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a little bit of it sure. done, but you don't need to have full details. But but what the game is can actually tell, again, tell you things about the world. Yeah. Right? You like, know, is it a gambling game? That tells you the world is maybe a little darker and riskier and things like that. If it's uh you know, if it's a board game, well board games are more often just for passing time. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, so maybe your world's a little safe or a little, you know, I don't want to say boring, but you know, like sometimes the world can be a little boring and you have to play a board game. Uh, you know, if, if it's goodness. foxes and snakes, well, that tells us that foxes and snakes serve a purpose in this world. It's probably, they represent something. It's probably a game of hunting or something like that. Or right? knocking each other off. And or, it feels, yeah. that feels thematic. And, and so, so that's really more important than, than making up the rules for your game right. as well. Okay. So what else? Let's do the last one. Number 10! Sorry, go ahead. What's next? You are so loud today. Uh, I know. That was the sound of my daughter waking up. That's okay. She'll be down here in a second. I'll put her back to bed. Number 10 is a material used for clothing. Now this sounds boring. This sounds stupid. Who put this on this list? Well, you wrote the list, right? I did write this list. So you should know. So why why do you think this one is so important? It's a tiny detail. I don't know. <laughs> did, the, did the screen close on the, no, the words no, you typed? I, I think that it. I think that it tells you the textiles that a culture uses tells you a lot about their world. It tells mm-hmm. you, uh, like for example, uh, if they wear furs, let, let's say they all wear fur or animal skin, animal hides of some type, right? It tells you that they are probably a hunter gatherer culture. Okay. It tells you they're, that they are probably not farmers, because if they're farmers, they probably would grow something like cotton, mm-hmm. right? It tells you their industrial level. Right. You know, they're clearly still killing animals, skinning them, and, you know, stitching them into clothing. Uh, what is the animal that okay. they're wearing? That tells you more about their world. Uh, and so, I, you know, is the, is the clothing, how is it cut? You know, is it cut, uh, is, is it fur? Then it's probably cold out on this okay. world. If it's you know the, these things all like it seems like such a little thing, but it tells you a ton about what's going on in the world. Along with that, you know, if these are dyed, mm-hmm. it tells you that they you know what they have um, access but, to, right? Because you know different dyes are only available from certain plants. You can make a lot of story like that. Mm-hmm. I mean. The old yep. stuff about purple just being for royals because it was so rare and expensive. Right. Maybe that color is blue in your world. Maybe it's green. Who knows? Yeah, or, but or it tells maybe, you something about it. Yeah, or maybe you're in a modern center, setting where it, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that's important to know that it doesn't matter. Right. But, I mean, the, the gang of Bruja riding up with leather jackets... The fact that they're wearing these metal-studded leather jackets, it means something. It's communicating something. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we immediately draw conclusions in our mind. Mm-hmm. And yep. when you're talking about NPCs that may or may not get real deep 
you know, because not all of, not every NPC that walks up and talks to your party is a fully fleshed out character. Let's right. be honest. No. In a perfect world, we wish they all were, but no. that's just not the reality. Right. Uh, and so you need these sort of signals to create images in your players' minds of, of who the person must be. If you create a really good two-dimensional NPC, they'll make it three-dimensional in their mind. Right. And that's what you want. Because you can never put the work in to give it that level of detail. Like, they can just do it immediately because they recognize a few cues. Exactly. So there you go. So there are the... There are the ten things to think about to help make your world or setting a hmm. little bit better. Yeah, oh, I'm going to think that you about must this. do, or your game will be you garbage. Must you no, you do not have to. <laughs> you do You have anything. to, you but they're not. recommended. They're ten re- things. highly advice from the masters. Lowest rated episode. <laughs> yeah, no, I think no. so. Come on, we can do a lower rated episode. Really? Uh, yeah, let's next time. Do you guys want to throw a bonus one in? Secretly do 11 and not tell anyone? Yes. Ooh, okay, so What's you have to actually listen 11, to the right? podcast. Okay, Carrie, give us number 11. Um, slang. Have, yeah. have unique slang. Yes. Didn't you come up with a list of insults for Adventures Not Wanted? Oh, yeah. there's a bunch of slang for Adventures Not yeah, Wanted. Yeah, we, we have a ton when of When something is good, they say daces. Yeah, it's dace. Um, well, that's because the the dragon's name is Aridace. So it's and, a good dragon. And the dragon is good for the town, right. so everything is Dace. Dace is, Carrie. That's fantastic. Oh, man. So a little bit of that, to me, goes a long way. Too much, but a little bit of it is really good. Too much of that is, like, the worst. Yeah. Right? you got to be careful. But a little <coughs> Shadow run. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, you, you use daces. You've got, like they say, uh, water bottom. Yeah, we call people water, mo- water bottom. Shut um, up, you water bottom. If things are good, it's wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, we also, I don't know if you've heard this one or not, Ryan. Um, this this has been said quite a bit recently, that something's not worth a bog witch's wish. Oh, I like it. <laughs> That's great. That was yeah. really organic. It, fits, it builds the setting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like it double hits a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know, think about uh, Firefly. Mm. Everybody said shiny. Shiny. Yeah. Right? It, but it wasn't... Uh, Frack! <laughs> right? Frack's another great yeah. one on Battlestar Galactica. But if you, but if you look at them, th- if you look at those examples, think carefully about how often they say them. Because, again, it's that whole thing where overkill feels like you're really forcing what the world looks like. It yes. feels not organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a little bit really can lend a lot of flavor, especially if you can tie them into to history or things about the setting, like the, the bog the bog witch's wish. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just implied. Right. I, I will say, don't be a dick. You know that there's certain things that you probably shouldn't do, like no racial epithets. Right. Avoid that. It's uh, almost yeah, yeah. always a bad idea. Yeah. Even for your fictional races, it just causes more problems than it solves. Yeah, there's, there's no reason why in your world you need to say things like, you know, like what do you, you know, a, a, a dwarf brain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or whatever. Like you can just, take that stuff too far really easy. So just be aware of it. Yeah. Oh. And sure enough, as soon as you do that, somebody in your party is playing a dwarf. And then mm-hmm. like, what the heck guys? <laughs> hey guys, I bought the Doritos. Why are you making fun of my character? <laughs> that's how, that's how Bob, the guy who plays a dwarf talks nice yeah, that's how i'm gonna play all my dwarves from now come on, on guys hey. i rolled really good hey everybody why do you keep saying I, you've got uh, dwarf brains I'm, you're a dwarf for brain 
Okay, so. Shut up, guys. <laughs> guys. Yeah. I need more Doritos. Yeah. Is there hot chocolate? He's morphing into Kermit. What am was I, that? Am I there? Am I seeing this? <laughs> Can I interact with that? Oh, no. Wait, what just happened? Are we done? Can you describe this entire scene again? Ooh. I was texting. No. <sighs> That's yeah, another you, episode. Okay. That's a whole you know episode. It, you can call someone a dwarf brain if they're uh, texting while you're describing the scene. Mm. All right. Well, let's go to game wrap. Welcome to Game Wrap. Uh, in between segments, uh, Jason was shopping on eBay for Cheetos. Yep, super rare flaming hot Cheeto with its shape like a Charizard. Yeah, it's only a thousand dollars. Check so it I'm, out, guys. It's the the <laughs> bidding is open. Yeah, the guy who's selling it has a ninety-seven point four positive feedback. <laughs> Forty people have viewed this this hour. Oh, there's two pictures. The world is weird. Yeah, it's it great. All right, well, you can find us at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts at. You can follow us on Twitter at honorrollpodcast. Of course, we're on facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. Send us an email if you'd like to tell us about Noah, what Noah's been up to. (laughs) You can email us at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. And, of course, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. Please. Yeah. All right, well... You two did. You played a good game tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, Uh, Carrie, you are going to get one hundred and fifty-three and a half experience points tonight. Very specific. Jason, you are going. You are going to get one hundred and twenty-seven point two experience points. It's a little less than Carrie. I know. Carrie's really polishing her game up. I think it's because of all this experience she's received from the uh, Werewolf the podcast. That's a real skill. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. (laughs) All right. Super. Well, join us next week when our topic is where is the beef. Until next time, I'm Ryan the Curmudging. Carrie is the legend. I hope most of our listeners are in their 40s. <laughs> Jason's the favorite. Remember, the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun.